Hello and welcome back to season two of the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. We are on episode 11 of season two and today I am joined by a long time friend of mine, Joseph Fletcher. We go way back and train at Musical Theatre College and in today's episode we discuss disability in the world of arts and entertainment, what do you do once you've achieved your dream job, building up a side hustle and so much more. I hope you enjoy. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, I'm joined by performer Joseph Fletcher. As a hearing impaired creative, Joseph has not let his disability hinder his journey into the world of entertainment. Joseph is a member of the dance company Deaf Men Dancing, has performed as an aerialist at the London 2012 Paralympics and toured the world in the Christmas show The Snowman. And also for four years, he danced in his dream show, Wicked the Musical. How are you, Joseph? I'm very good, thank you. How are you, Jamie? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, So for listeners, me and Joseph go way back to... We went to college together. Um, We did summer school the year before we started. So when was that? We started college, what, 2004? No, we finished in 2007. You just made us younger there, Joseph. (laughs) So young. Um, No, we graduated in 2007. We would have met the summer of 2003. Wow. Gosh. Okay, that's nearly 20 years. Yeah, 2004 to 2007, and then 2003 we met at summer school. Yeah, my Gosh. God, that's a long, long time. We are so, so old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Joseph, thank you for joining me. And I think one of the amazing things about your career is that you are human impaired, but that has not stopped you in your journey into the entertainment and then also achieving your goals. But before we get cracking, when did you first start performing or when was it that point when you was like, yes, this is the route for me? Uh, well... I um, One of my friends at the time had a pair of tap shoes and I must have been about six or seven and I remember being really jealous about the fact that he had a pair of tap shoes and obviously I said to my mum, I want a pair of tap shoes but obviously she was like, well, you have to go to the tap class. My genius brainchild was like, great, I'll do tap class for like two lessons, get a pair of tap shoes and then quit. Okay. <laughs> Never quit. <laughs> um, I think for me it kind of just became obvious that it was the route for me because I really enjoyed the outlet and the, how what, what expression it gave me, you know? Um, yeah, jealousy got me into the business. <laughs> and I think what's lovely there is that I think performing, whether you're a singer, dancer, actor, it's storytelling. And yeah. I think there, as you said, it's you wanted to tell that story. That maybe that... Some, I think it helps performers who maybe can't tell stories or work through something at the time, dance, sing and act in such a way to express that. I agree 100%. And I think, yeah, I think you're ultimately right. It is about the storytelling. I really enjoy how exploring ways to convey that, whether it's singing, dancing, acting or whatnot. Um, yeah. And your career, I think, you obviously you can talk very candidly about this, but we have these conversations just when we meet up for coffee, is that, as a performer of who's a hearing hearing impaired performer, you have come up against obstacles, some of which you maybe foresaw happening, like it might be a singing call, and some things you're sick of maybe the same questions being asked now as a performer. And there's, it's not just you. There are so many performers out there now who are hearing impaired or visually impaired or have other disabilities. But your career has spanned West End tours, TV and film. Have there been any main obstacles though? that have kind of come up because of your disability within the arts? Uh, yeah, there's been, there's been a few. Um, I think, obviously, the self-explanatory one is the fact that vocally I'm not great, um, for obvious reasons, the fact that I can't hear 
a piano or a key uh, so trying to match that up with my voice it a challenge um, but I think the biggest obstacle is trying to convince people that the job is going to get done yeah and I think a lot of people play it safe uh, people being cast and directors or you know employee um, they play it safe in wondering how they I'm gonna overcome the challenges that are required within that job um, so I think that's my biggest obstacle is, is convincing them that I'm going to be able to do this job to the standard that they are looking for um, but obviously I'm not I'm not an idiot I know that you do need to sing you need to dance you need to act um, so I do understand why some some situations don't work out the way that they work out purely for XYZ reason but also in the same breath yeah find a way is it because I guess like the proof's in the pudding the fact obviously you were in Wicked the Musical in the West End for four years which I know that was a it wasn't your first audition for the show, but the proof's in the pudding there. But let me pose this question to you. I think quite often as performers, like, I am not hearing impaired. However, vocally, I'm not the strongest singer. But sometimes I would self-sabotage because I'd go into a dance round and I'm like, if I got through this, I'm going to have to sing. Instead of, it wasn't until I got a bit older in the industry, I was like, actually, if I get through this, it's because they like me as a dancer. The singing is just like the cherry on top. Do you find in some auditions that maybe... It's probably a hindrance sometimes, but also, did it sometimes give you a sense of confidence in the skills you did have? Because what you are good at, you're really bloody good at. Oh, 100%, absolutely. And I think time, as time goes on, you do build up that confidence and your strength and what you can offer. Um, but also you you pick up tricks and tricks of the trade of how you can further yourself in the element that you're not so strong or confident or good at. Um, I definitely, it definitely gave me strength to know that I am a solid dancer. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think what listeners should take away from that, I think every performer, we when you're in college or you're in class, that's when you work on what you maybe can't do, what you're not good at. But when you go to an interview, an audition, a pitch, you have to sell yourself on what you're good at. And I think so often as performers, we hold on to what we're not good at. 100%, yeah, and we forget that. We forget that in our process because I think we're always told about what we need to work on and what we need to improve. We're never really told much about what we excel in. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. I guess we do self-sabotage ourselves without even maybe meaning to. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. It's weird, isn't it, now? I'm just thinking about it. It's like, if you pay for class or college, you pay to learn. But if you're getting paid, you need to be... They're paying you for what you're good at. So I think every performer, whether you are here in a pair or what, yeah. listening right now, I think, sell yourself on what you're good at. People are going to yeah. buy buy into you and what you can do. And also, like, you you are your own brand in this business. You know, like, you have to you have to showcase your, your best self yeah um and if that if, if that's your thing just do your thing you know what i mean yeah and just kind of black the rest of it in in other way that sell yourself you know completely um so let's talk about wicked then that i because me and joe also used to live together for two years two two and a half years yeah, um so i know how much this show meant to you from when you saw it when you was a, when you were a young budding performer <laughs> yourself to being in it how First of all, how was that audition process? Because it wasn't your first time round. No. When you, but then when you did get it, like I, I think all of us that know you, all your friends were so happy because it was like, it's so yeah. rare, I think, for someone to know 100% what their dream is and to achieve it. Yeah, I think like, so w- musical theatre would never the dream. And I think that come from the realistic side of me being like, well, I'm not a singer, so yeah. I'm not gonna be able to do that. So musical theatre in general was never the dream. I wanted to be a dancer, I wanted to be in companies and to go down that route. Um, and I remember going to see Wicked on Broadway, yeah. 
and I remember th- my mom, saying to my mum in the interval, being like, this show, I need to be in the show. Like, this, this did me to a T. Um, so obviously music theatre never the route. And then obviously I left college and then, you know, went, went about my way. And it wasn't until about three or four years after I left college, I was like, I'm going to try London. And I got myself an agent and the first audition she put up for was Wicked. And obviously there was so much pressure there. I was like, oh, God, dream show, like first West End audition, you know, this is either going to go really well or it's just going to be a write-off for the rest of my career. Um, and I'll never forget the first audition. Like, the, yeah. obviously the dance called absolutely fine, like went through that. It was obviously the thinning, where it's like the first time I sing in front of the panel. I've never had thinning lessons before, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just a whole, whole new world. And they got me to do scales, and I'm like, ha ha, can't <laughs> yeah. the no, just <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think they could tell that this would just, I was just making this up. Um, but Elfie, and it went, it went well. I got through to, to dance again, and you know, and I think it was like that for the for, for four years. So it took me four years before the fifth time when I got the job so and if, every time I went back obviously you start to build up a relationship with the carton director with the creative team um, you know just checking in how's you been how's your year been like you know obviously last time I saw you I was back here in the audition you know after it took me four five years until I got the job where were you when you got the phone call from your agent uh, my agent met me for a coffee it was so bizarre because that week leading up to so I had the audition on the Friday was it the Friday? no on the Monday and I would help an out audition at Pineapple for the rest of the week um, with, a, with another audition another show completely um, and on the Tuesday night I went to see Barry Manilow with my agent because she had to get we wanted to go and in front of us sat Cariella oh. and obviously I was like it's a sign it's a sign <laughs> like obviously the original alphabet it's that in front of her and I remember having a photo with her being like I had an audition for the final for Wicked yesterday uh, so I'm going to take this as a good omen like blah 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 and then so that was that and on the Wednesday on the Wednesday something happened where you know, like, it's basically like the law of attraction. The universe would just give yeah. me a sign where all, every day that week something was coming up. And anyway, I saw my agent on Thursday night for a drink and that was that. And then on the Friday morning, she texted me being like, should we go for a coffee for a catch-up? And obviously, I, I remember being a bit hungover. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's go for a coffee and a catch-up. Not really thinking, well... We actually just met each other like less than twelve hours <laughs> yeah. ago. Like, you get a debrief from Barry Manilow. Like. <laughs> yeah, debrief from Barry Manilow the night out from before. You know what I mean? So I remember like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I think I remember taking the route to the route into London, and my my brain started ticking, being like, this is weird. Why am I seeing my agent again? Like I've seen her twice this week. Um, and anyway, she's like, let's meet for coffee. And then I don't know. So I just had this feeling then, where I was like, this is either her coming in to tell me something good is about to happen, or it's her coming in to be like a shoulder to cry on. Okay. <laughs> so I remember seeing her, and I, I, my just got so nervous. I remember shaking. She was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, I just remember being so short, being, "Yeah, no, sure." Like she'll go and get a coffee then, you know. Yeah. She's like, "Okay, why are you being so short?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> You know, hopefully we've got our coffee, sat down. And she's like, so I had some news. And I'm like, I know. And she's like, you know? And I'm like, well, I know you've got news, because it could be weird. Like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, and obviously she started reading the email. And 
Oh, I broke down into yeah. tears and I remember the choreographer or someone from Mamma Mia happened to be close by she even came up to congratulate me because she overheard the conversation oh, like, how it lovely. was one of those events where it's like, it was in M&F we were in M&F at like Covent Garden oh. in the little cafe bit. Do you remember the cafe yeah the that's not even there anymore is no, it not there M&S. Anymore. But I remember yeah. that being the location of, oh. of the good news that we've been waiting for forever and they couldn't top that's why they closed M&S like, we, can't, we can't top that <laughs> can't top <laughs> we that. can't close that you know and yeah it would it would such a yeah. yeah it was an amazing I mean, it was one of those you know like we all remember those key days in of our course. lives you know and it was definitely a moment that that whole day yeah. it's saved in a file in my brain yeah. I get out all the time it was just kind of yeah well and it's like I said I know obviously personally that it was your dream show and you obviously got to do like the ribbon twirling I think it was like not only was it the dream show it was the dream track yeah. and it was the dream question and literally the, the the dream that I envisioned for the law of attraction it would that yeah to a T like I remember countless times being on the tube like trying to picture where my mum would sit oh. on my opening night and it just happened on my opening night that exactly where she sat not that we planned it it would just be yeah. like it was so weird it was so weird yeah no that's and i remember i saw you in a couple of times and i just think it was so rewarding as i'm sure for any of the teachers that come to see you in there or friends we just yeah. we knew and like i think as performers we quite often you may have a dream to be on the west end or to travel the world or back in dance with someone but i think it's very rare to have like such a like pinpointed yeah. dream of this track this show so we're all so ecstatic for you so speaking of dreams, obviously you lived your dream for four years and yeah. then you had to have the courage to be like, I, I want to, yeah, on. I need yeah. to find another dream. And I know obviously you now, you've done quite a lot of choreography and your photography yeah. business. And yeah. I don't know if I had to mention the play that you were in that unfortunately got cut short. You I don't mention that, yeah. um, It's Killer Mockingbird. Yeah, so that was yeah. actually more of a straight acting, straight acting play, yeah. play. So you've done so many other things, but how was it having that courage to be like, this is my dream show? And this is the, little, the reason we talked about To Kill a Mockingbird is there was some legality with it or something where it couldn't run. <laughs> it couldn't run because of whatever. whatever. Not Joseph know. himself, not him. <laughs> Just in case you're thinking, what has he been doing? No, no, um, no, yeah. No, I, it, it was hard. It was so hard to leave Wicked. Yeah. And, you know, I did it for four years and... I'm such a per. I'm one of those people that leave the party when it's still good. Yeah. I don't like to like stay and then kind of have a c- come down and <laughs> yeah. start. You know, remember like you know. Yeah. I wanted to leave while I was still high, and it was so hard to make that decision. I remember breaking down in the shower when I decided to finally admit that I'm going to leave the show, mm. and you know, after a week of going back and forth if I was going to stay or go, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. Yeah, I remember breaking down in the shower, and it, it, it's hard, but, you know, life is short. Yeah. And I didn't want to... I didn't want it to end here. I didn't want Wicked to be the, the reason I had to stop performing because I grew old and tired or yeah. whatnot. You know what I mean? I, there were other things I wanted to do sure. or other things I wanted to see if I could do, you know, like To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, yeah. that was a straight acting play, Regent Park Theatre... You know, so again, a complete contrast to anything I'd ever done. Yeah. And I wanted to, I wanted to step into that yeah. to see if I could do it. And obviously, got the job and we started rehearsal. But that's another whole, not a whole other story. But you know, the fact that it still happened, the fact that I still yeah. got the job, and the fact that I was in the rehearsal room is still for me a massive triumph. Yeah. In being like, I did that. Okay, and so it had definitely gave me confidence in moving forward and into stepping into the uncomfortable 
places yeah. that are in our business. You know, because I guess we get we become so safe within ourselves and what we think we should be doing. For me, it I enjoy that, and I think that's why my career had been so diverse. It's because I've not really been one track minded about staying just in London. Yeah. I've been very open to being like, well, let's try this, let's do this. You know, yeah. um, the choreographic route is something that I'm definitely now obviously really interested yeah. in. I we got an order. You know, the idea yeah. of doing eight shows a week, it's a little bit like, oh, <laughs> might need some paracetamol. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the choreographic route is equally as exciting and it's equally as adventurous and scary and all that, as well as other creative avenues that I've been looking at, like the photography stuff, yeah. um, which is fairly new, COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, I've really enjoyed exploring that. And cause again, it, it's finding ways to express and storytell, as yeah. you were saying in new ways and yeah yeah solo podcast episode a couple weeks ago about comfort zones and how like what you want is just outside your comfort zone otherwise you'd already have it and i guess with you as you just said there hit home is wicked it was your dream you took it you learned with it you grew with the show got what you could from it at that time and then you had to feel uncomfortable again to find what was new and i think that's one thing all performers i think we um Obviously, times are different with COVID, but I think we're so used to always just saying yes because we don't know when the next job will be. Yeah. And and that's actually something I do want to talk about. I think there's so much power in saying no. 100%. And whether, you know, you're the, the, the peak of your career or just starting out, you have to learn the power to say no and you have to learn that for yourself. Yeah. It's not for anyone else. And I think, you know, saying no for fifth year at Wicked, as much as it probably was the hardest no I'd ever done, it's also one of the best notes I've done because it had allowed me to leave and still be able to do a lot of stuff yep. that I may never have touched, even thought about. Completely. If I was still in the show, you know? And I think we... Because obviously our friends and our family, who are our biggest supporters, know how much we love something. So, But because of that, I think sometimes we forget... Like, it's at the end of the day, it's our career. We're the ones that have to go home at the end of the day. It's our life. So I think for creators and performers, we are so used to either saying yes or doing things because you think the industry dictates that you should do that or you should so I think as you just said there it's so powerful but saying no can actually be the push you need to get out of your comfort zone and do something new 100% but also like even if you are completely unemployed and there's no job whatsoever and a contract does come along but it doesn't feel right in your heart I feel like as performers we're very we we will say yes because we feel guilty about turning it down even though we don't it doesn't feel right I think sometimes you. I, I think I'd rather be unemployed than stuck in something that I didn't want to do in the first place because something didn't feel right. You know what I mean? So as much as that, no, it's also equally as hard to say. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to put yourself and your happiness and what you think is right for you first. And sometimes it is a no to a contract or a million pounds or whatnot. Like, yeah. And I yeah. think that's one of the benefits of growing older in this industry. Typically as a dancer, when you start, not aging out is the wrong term, but the older you get, it's maybe not the most fruitful occupation, but actually, as you get older, you know yourself worth more, yeah. you know what you do and you don't want. 100%. And I, that's something I definitely learned in the last couple of years, um, my, the value of who I am yeah. and what the value of my, my, my skill. Yeah. 
and what I can offer to the table. Yeah, you want to say gifts there, and you stop yourself. They are gifts. I'm like, am yes. I a gift? You are a gift. Yeah. But yeah, I think, but that, like you say, that does come with experience. Yeah. You know, because I think in the beginning we all said yes. Oh, of course. Thing, like, like, I will go to every audition. You want me to yeah. play a violin? I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're, I'm sure that some of the stories that we've got oh, from gosh, yeah. things we said yes to, and at the time being like, what the hell were we thinking? Yeah. Some of the pictures that come up in my time hop from random jobs, and I'm like, why? Why? Did you why? Say yes to that? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm the same. Like, yeah. I look back at some of them, I'm just like, I did that? Like, yeah. why? Like, they need to go in, like, the burn bar. Yeah. <laughs> you know. We've spoke about um, obstacles that have come up being here and impaired yeah. and with auditioning, but let's talk about some of the opportunities that have presented themselves because of that. So, obviously, yeah. deaf men dancing and yeah. performing at the Paralympics in front yeah. of. I don't even know how many people watch that. Like the world, the world, literally, the world watched that in 2012. Yeah. Like, so there's some amazing. Definitely, and I think that's something I. It's definitely been a personal journey for me. Yeah. Like, I for a lot for the longest time I used to class myself as a hearing person, yeah. and not really embrace the disabled side to me. Sure. And I think that's maybe been a combination of what's expected from a performer. Sure. Um, because it's not normal to have this disability in our industry or a disability of any kind in our industry um but also from my perception of what the world accepts do you know what i mean so i think it's taken me a long time to accept the disabled side to me but having embraced that had obviously given me a lot of opportunities like deaf men dancing um which is basically a dance company of men who are deaf at <laughs> <laughs> the tin so um but like from that i've been some amazing opportunities and some really cool experiences that not everyone gets to experience no. um but you know so it definitely helped me to become who i am today and embracing that side to me that is actually very unique and very different to 99.9 percent of the rest of the industry yeah um for that i'm kind of faithful and that, that's something i had to learn with for myself completely and i think what's there's like it's finding the beauty in difference and again yeah. for you that's maybe more pronounced with um the hearing impairment however yeah. i think again that will resonate with a lot of creatives listening yeah. right now to be like you've everyone's got something unique and actually if you embrace that you're probably more likely to attract the career and life you want as opposed yeah. to like maybe it might hinder you sometimes if that definitely. makes sense 100%. i think i've definitely spent a lot of time in the first part of my career trying to hide that and sabotaging myself with that or blaming that for sure. why I might not have gotten a job or whatnot. Um, but things accepting that, I kind of surrendered to the to the world of being like, well, that's your loss, not mine. Yeah. And I, what I mean, like, I think when with Wicked, obviously, they, they ran with it. I think initially yeah. they were probably weren't sure about how to go about it because it's never been done before. But I think it just became a point where you're like, you know what, we just need to do an, it's yeah. an opportunity for us as well as him and blah, 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 for everyone to yeah. explore something that's never been done. And it worked for mm. everyone. I think what's... Obviously, you've taken ownership there as well and maybe your mindset at times thinking, maybe not acknowledging your disability, but also there's there's a lot of stuff that's out of your control because, as you said, there's probably audition panels, agents, casting directors who had not come across someone with your particular set up and no. then maybe not necessarily handled it incorrectly but not known how to handle no, it so then i think that yeah i haven't and i um well i've now used my sinning call to audition to be an opportunity to have a conversation about it 
Yeah. You know, so as much as I'm going in there to sing a song badly, <laughs> I use that to my advantage of being like, let let talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let let talk about this for a minute, you know, and yeah. I'm opening up the room for you to ask me questions about how it worked and what I would need and what I wouldn't need. And I think that had definitely helped. Yeah. Maybe not obviously getting a job on Dutch, but it definitely put seeds in their head being like, Oh, okay, I've not thought about this and, you know, going away and being like, How would we cross that bridge? Should it come again? Yeah. And actually it's not it's not actually as impossible as we may have thought. And yeah. I just turn my mic off. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Or keep it live if you want. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the interview so far with Joseph Fletcher. Later on in the interview, he does give out his social media handles, so do make sure you keep listening and give him a follow. I really hope you're enjoying this, how authentic and transparent he's been with his journey into the arts. If you are enjoying it, make sure you do head over to Apple Podcasts to leave your review. And now back on with the interview. How lovely, I think, is the fact of, even if in that moment you don't get the reward of that show, it has opened up that conversation yeah. and made them think right hang on a minute because there are so many gifted performers out there with something that might not be the industry norm whether that is yeah. a visual um like an invisible disability or a visual disability whatever it is so i think that's so lovely that yeah. you are at least the that you started the conversation on that yeah. and i think that's been the hardest thing like you know we're all looking for our representation you know what i mean like we're we go to theatre to try and see ourselves on stage. And obviously I think I don't see myself on stage. I don't see another deaf person on stage in the West End. In dance companies and obviously other areas of our business, absolutely. But if we're specifically saying West End, I don't see yeah. my representation. So I've almost sometimes feel like I've got to pave the way, you know. And so for people to come in through, they can then come and see me on stage as their yeah. representation you know it's it, it definitely a, a battle and it, it it is hard and there have been times where i just kind of do feel like oh what's the point but then i just need to remember that there is a point and it it valid yeah and i just have to keep going and i guess you know. when out of covid our industry is so non-stop that um, a casting director or an agent, whoever it is, producer may only get to see a handful of people in yeah. that day for that particular casting. So yeah. they pull in specific people or they literally don't have time to, for anyone to deviate beyond a 16 bar cut of a song or one side of a script. Yeah. But as you said, so you probably do come up against a lot of obstacles where if someone had more time, they might actually take that time to invest in you. Yeah. So again, that's not that's not an excuse at all. They should should make time for everyone. But I guess you probably come up against that more yeah. often than not I would yeah. imagine but people definitely. are slowly coming around to it definitely and that's it though isn't it like in an ensemble situation I know I'm a better singer than I am as a soloist yeah and you know when you audition you have to audition because you're just yourself in your audition yeah. room so already I'm like battling against that where if there was like 60 yeah. other people all doing the same audition all at one time yeah I, I already feel more confident sure that. so yeah I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say now but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a case of not just with disabilities, but whether that's um, BAME and minorities auditioning or LGBTQ, whatever it is, there are minorities within any field of employment that are worth investing time and effort and energy into. Yeah. And the good thing are, the good thing is, sorry, things are, things are changing, which is dreamy. It's fabulous. Amazing. However, the people like you who are the change makers that are making that happen. So what piece of advice would you have wanted a younger Joe to know about the industry, about career? What piece of advice would you have wanted 
you wish someone had maybe said to you or that you would say to someone who's listening, who's possibly got something that's hindering them getting to where they want to be, what advice would you give? Putting you on the spot now. That's a deep question. It is. We're going there, Joe. We're going We're there. Going, uh, <laughs> um, I think it's very cliche to say just keep going. Yeah. But I guess that does apply for us industry as a whole. Like, we, we should just keep going. But... I wish someone had said to me that even though I'm confined by boundaries, that that's not the walls. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that's not how that's not your Mac. You can yeah. push those boundaries out. They're not solid. Um, I think for the longest time I kind of thought my boundaries been like they could they could they could my playing field. I yeah. can't go beyond this. When actually the the, the boundaries are on wheels, then you can push it out. And you can go and create a bigger space. Oh yeah, um, I love that. Very contemporary. That is like, a very contemporary metaphor. You know, what I'm, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say though. Like, it's, you know, and I think I wish I'd learned that sooner to be yes. like, actually, that that wall is a fake wall. I wish I'd learned that sooner. Like, yeah. yeah, but I think we all would. You know, we're all kind of taught yeah. to stick to what we know yeah. or what you know. Like you said earlier, like we 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 kind of never told what we're good at. Yeah, we're always told what we're crap at, and we kind of stick with that. Um, but actually, the, the walls are on wheels. Yeah, like, you can push it out. No, I love that analogy. I think that's a very good visual. People will be able to think of that and actually, like, although it looks like there's a boundary, and it may be a boundary, however, you can extend. That boundary. Yeah, yeah. and it's not as confining anymore. Yeah. And there there might be other people along the way that can help you push that boundary as 100%. well. 100%. Yeah, there might be like a little break at the bottom that it just needs to lift the break up and move it out, yeah. you know? Love that. I feel like we're going to break into song and dance. I know, exactly. <laughs> two, pop, two of the weakest singers in town to give it to you. <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 Um, so, for you, are there any mottos or quotes or mantras that you live by or, or use to help make decisions? Anything like that? Um, there are a few. There I do have a lot that I go by, but I think one of my biggest ones most recently is to keep it simple. Yeah. I think we get so wrapped up in today's world with everything that's going on with social media, politics, uh, opinions of other people, like we're so influenced by all that that we kind of forget that actually it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. Um so I do try and keep things as simple as possible, um, for myself and for other people. Um another one would be that whenever I get stressed, I just spell the word backwards. Okay. And that spell deserts. Yeah. So if you're stressed and you feel like you need a moment, just pop that kettle on, go and get a cake. Yeah. You know, and I do think those little moments of peace and quietness and stillness do help to diffuse an emotion. Um, That's a great one. I try. I reward myself with cake all the time. So I'm like, you're stressed all the time. That's why. <laughs> that is actually probably why. But that's another. That's yeah. another podcast right there. But, uh, yeah, no, I think keep it simple. Eat cake. Yeah. Um, have a life motto. Well, they're two good ones if you don't have any yeah, more. No, I think uh, the third one would be when when you can, always go above and beyond. Yes. I think you could. I think the impression that you leave on people would always could be greater than a bad impression. Yeah, Do you know um, what I mean? I could not agree with that you more on that. There's been so many times that whether it's me as a performer or me more in as a journalist presenter like well i've maybe not got that job at that time or i've met someone at a networking event or whatever and it's actually led to a job 
months down the line yeah. when I'm actually more right for the project. And I think that's it. Go above and beyond. Like that, that doesn't mean like obviously running open the door for everyone and like no, polish the shoes. But like as you said, like when you meet someone new, like give it everything you can. Be yeah. nice. Be courteous. Recommend yeah. other people, yeah. and it will come back to you. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Oh. I feel like when we normally have conversations, obviously because we've known each other so long, it's always a lot more like stupid. And now we're both like. <gasps> We're having deep. I, <laughs> like, I feel like they could deep if we'd ever been. Even when we lived together. Like, yeah. No, they could like, deep. But oh you're, also, you're making me think about stuff that I don't normally think about. Crofty, I guess with friends, we don't talk about stuff like that. No. And now you're asking me like questions. Well, I'm like, Wait, I, do I want to let you inside? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think what's lovely is because we, same with all of our group from college, because we're such good friends, we very rarely actually talk industry when we see each other. No, exactly. It's generally like, yeah. how are you? How is your Christmas? How yeah. is your mum? Things like that. So now we're actually finally talking industry. <laughs> um, you said keep it simple and how we can get so swept up in things. What are your views on social media and the arts? Obviously, for me, working in like um, personal branding and like entertainment, um, entertainment news, social media is so important. But obviously, I always try and champion um, positive mental health online yeah. and using it within yeah. your realm. But for you, what are your views on social media in the social arts? Social media is a hard one in the arts because. You know, at performance, we do compare ourselves all the time. We compare yeah. ourselves to the next dancer. We all compare, compare our everything. Yeah. How many turns that, that person does, he's done two, yeah. I need to do three. Or like, yeah. It's always just like competition. Um, so social media is a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's hard. I, I, I don't try... I try and keep my social media as real to me and I'll present it to yeah, me as possible and if I'm having a bad day I if I want to share something about having a bad day I will do so um, but if I don't I don't I don't um, where I feel like a lot of people on social media especially in our industry um, I hate the word fake yeah. but I have a hard time believing yeah. if that is really real or is that yeah. you just trying to gain some sort of validation or to make yourself feel worthy or yeah you know what I'm saying like no 100% I think again that from a very early on it's bred into us that like how we said always say yes you're only as good as your last job and I think we always have to be it's a weird juxtaposition because we always have to seem to be busy and working but yet if but yet always be available for work and it's this weird place of like I'm gonna post this photo of this great job I did but some and sometimes it can it matches up and it's authentic and it's great. But I think there's this weird level sometimes, as you said, it's like everything's a bit contrived because it's like, look at me, look how good I am. Yeah, I'm also free for work, but I'm also working. And it's like you can't yeah. always be working and always be free. No, and... Exactly, and it does contradict itself a lot. Yeah, and you know, and I don't I feel like pot pot kettle black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of that. Where, yeah, there's a lot of pot kettle black moment on social media and yeah. Yeah, I think it can be used both in a fantastic positive way and also in a negative way. And I think it's it is a must now as a creative. You have to be on some form of online presence. But I think it's also, as we said, as we've said throughout this podcast, it's taking control of your career, saying no if you need to. So if if a platform is not working for you or someone's making you feel bad, don't follow them. But it is hard, especially younger you. And I think obviously this year probably has highlighted for a lot of people the importance of mental health and you know and I think social media has been amazing in the yeah. resources that had been on offer 
within our industry like yeah. people are feeling being more open about their mental health and are talking about it and i don't feel like i i don't feel like it ever really been talked about that much until this year so i feel like covid has opened that door where we are all in the same we're not in the same boat but we're in the same water at this moment yeah, in time. Of um and we're talking about it and you know it turns out i'm not alone i know i had mental health issues I, th- I think we all do yeah um but it had definitely opened that door of being like oh, okay i'm not completely as isolated as i thought i was and you know you're never isolated yeah. you're, or you're never alone and however you feel there's always other people that are in that same field but i think more so than ever people are feeling confident to talk about it and being like actually i'm not okay yeah um so it had had the positive yeah, yeah. It, it's the like you say i think it, it's a yeah yeah, no, it's it is a double edged sword, isn't it? It's like it's a need, it's is needed, but I, it's maybe not for everyone all of the time. But it's it's great to hear your thoughts on it. And I think what's what I find quite often from um, interviews and podcasts and entertainment news and whatnot, you always see the success story. It's someone yeah. they're in this show, they battled to get there, which is amazing. That story needs to be said, but I think it's very rare to have the time to get to know the backstory because no one's success for the most part is overnight and I think what's been so lovely from this for instance with you was saying you achieved your dream but it it took you time time and like five years of growing and auditioning for it to click and then how those five years was this you lived your best life for four years and then you had to find the courage to try something new and I think that will resonate a lot with listeners I think I think I yeah I think moving forward like i would love people to post their failure too yeah and i think i think it would change the dynamic of the industry completely you know if people did post their failures and and the growth from that failure you know what i mean like if the first time audition for wicked obviously it was a fail i didn't get the job the second time you know but within that year between the first and the second something must have happened in my growth yeah for me to go further the second year and the same for the yeah. third, you know what I mean? Like then, and then also like, they wanted to see you every year and kept pulling you back. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we're very lucky because our friendship group, as we said, we're not necessarily too industry focused. We will ask those questions yeah. like, how are you doing? But I think quite often we, you won't get the audition. So you think, oh, that's not, oh, I'm not good enough. But the fact you're getting pulled back in the room, that is a yeah. success. And like uh, you said, you... And, you, and, you, and we don't acknowledge that. No. Do you know what I mean? We don't acknowledge that. And yeah. Maybe we should all start posting our failures more. Maybe. Oh, that's deep, that is, isn't God. it? Oh, my God, are you ready for the whole kind of worm? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will let you go, but where can people find you online? Um, also mention your photography business. I recently yeah. had some photos done with Joseph, and they are fantastic. Um, oh, so, yeah, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, at Joseph J. Fletcher. Uh, I haven't, like Jamie said, I started doing photography with COVID. Um, so that's Joseph J. Fletcher's joseph j fletcher photography i thought on the gram on twitter i'm also joseph j fletcher it's all joseph j fletcher basically just go that in google and just <laughs> and i'll put um, links in the show notes as well so they can just click onto you and i think i think it'll be, it's been such a lovely episode and i think it will resonate with a lot of people so thank you for i hope so yeah i mean thank you for having me like it, it's like you say it's nice to just talk about something that we don't normally talk about and to connect with a deeper yeah because i always remember one of our jazz teacher who was lovely to us um tony parry said to us i remember and it was i think in our second year said 
always ask people how they are, not what they do in. And I think all oh of all of our dance course, um, we went to performance college and we made our mine and Joe's course was majoring in dance theatre, musical theatre. And um, and I think all of our dance courses know that. So whenever I see them, we always say like, "How are you yeah. doing?" Not "What are I you hate doing?" The question, "What are you doing?" Now? Yeah, like it, no. And also no. for me, that diminishes like I've, when there's been jobs like when I danced on The Voice or the Netflix show, and like it would be my next day off or the next audition. They'd be like, "So what are you up to?" And I'm like, "You're not even giving me time to enjoy what I've just done. I'm having yeah. to think." <laughs> no, like, let me be in yeah. this moment. And I think unfortunately, sometimes as well, when it is. Um, family or close friends it's because they want the best for you so sometimes they're the people that ask it the most and yeah. they don't mean it at all in a negative no. way because they want the most for you but sometimes you're like okay I think, <laughs> I, yeah i think it's, when it's friend I, I don't mind it so much but it's like when you're on that, that random night out and someone that you've not seen for like four weeks or five four weeks yeah necessarily know and they come in straight in with oh. the, what you and you're just like, oh, come on, I want yeah. you to see how I am, or like, I'm asking how you are, like, how's yeah. life, you're looking well. Because I know we used to joke when we were young, and if we'd go out for a night out, a sensible night out, in Central, and people were like, what are you up to? I'd be like, do you need my spotlight pin? Like, I'm not out right now. <laughs> but you just, yeah, like, do you need me to run through my dialects with you? Like, no, calm down. <laughs> I brought my TV with me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to let you go. Thank no, you so you're going to let me, me go. It's my yeah. podcast. I'll let you go. <laughs> I'm letting you go. You're yeah. just me. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much, Joseph. And thank if you've you. enjoyed the episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts to leave your review and go and follow Joseph on social media. A massive thank you there to Joseph Fletcher. I'm sure you will agree with me that it was a fantastic, a really authentic interview. I even learned stuff, and I've known Joseph for years. Do go over and give him a follow on social media to see where his career takes him next. Thank you so much. As I mentioned, if you have enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave your review, and I'll be back next week.